Welcome to 2420, the bite-sized educational podcast from Cannaboom. And Kurt Robbins, author of more than 500 articles about the science of hemp and cannabis. We're giving 20 cannabis topics 20 minutes each to help you get smarter about terpenes, cannabinoids, cultivars, and much, much more. And our show starts now. Hey, it's Tom. We're back in the studio with Kurt Robbins for 2420 episode 12. Hey, Kurt. I can't believe it's episode 12. How are you, Tom? We are making our way through the most important things that people need to know about cannabis. And, uh, you know, we've covered a lot. You know, we've talked about flavonoids and terpenes. Something that I noticed lately, I saw products for Varens, cannabis Varens, which most people are not aware of. And I knew right. that you would be able to tell us about them. Yeah, yeah. There's... Uh... There's a new product from a company called Groovy Fruit. Of course, all these companies are new, right? So everybody's just busting onto social media and getting their brands and their logos out there. But uh, Groovy Fruit is uh, beyond having slick labels and sexy logos and all that. Uh, it's a very rare product because it, it's a gummy. Okay, I should say it's a square gummy doesn't appeal to children with teddy bears or anything like that. Uh, but uh, part of their whole marketing angle is we've got Varens. Uh, they talk about Varen cannabinoids and they talk about terpenes a lot more than many of the other companies. And their product contains relatively rare cannabinoids. Uh, and these Varens that you're talking about, like CBDV and THCV and CBGV, and most people have heard about the neutral analogs to those molecules. They're, they're uh, neutral cousins like THC and CBD and CBG, uh, but we don't talk about the Varens a whole lot. So we're delving into chemistry. And when you say neutral analogs, I mean, people know that THC is the psychoactive component. It's going to get them intoxicated. Correct. And CBD is going to help reduce inflammation and, and maybe anxiety and insomnia. But what does a V, the Varen, indicate? Well, not to get too geeky here, but this is biochemistry after all. So when we take these molecules, and these are compound molecules that have like tons of atoms in them, right? If you look at a, a schematic of these molecules, uh, and I push them out on my social on Twitter all the time, uh, but they get fairly complicated, okay? So in a nutshell, let's go back to Varen's are siblings to the neutral versions like THC, CBD, and CBG. And let's just stick with those three molecules for the time being. We know the, uh, the universe of cannabinoids is much larger than that. In fact, we've discovered roughly 150 different cannabinoids at this point. Now, some people tell you, no, it's only 60 or it's only 80. Why is that? Well, what they're doing in that case is typically they're counting THC, and THCA, it's acidic precursor, and THCV, the Varen version, and there are others, okay? They're counting all those as just one. For example, CBD and CBG both have seven different analogs of themselves. So the CBD that we talk about in the press all the time and that you do a lot of great content about, that's just one of seven analogs in that little family of cannabinoids. 
it's going to be a little bit different from its cousins. Exactly. At a molecular level. And and so for the consumer, what, what difference does that make? Uh, you get different efficacy. And a really fantastic example of this is THC. It's not only one of the most popular and, you know, an infamous uh, molecule, but uh, it shows some actual polar opposite efficacy between the neutral version THC and its sibling, the Varen version THC-V. Uh, we know THC famously causes the munchies, right? An increase in appetite. It's really great for certain patient populations like those with AIDS and wasting syndromes and anything where they need to get nutrition into their bodies, but they just don't have any appetite. THC is a great phyto molecule for doing that, as are other terpenes and cannabinoids also, okay? It doesn't have exclusive ownership of that. But get this, THC-V does the opposite, actually decreases your appetite. It's wonderful people suffering uh, obesity, type 2 diabetes, other eating disorders, anyone who's got the opposite problem of those folks with AIDS who they need to put less into their bodies. THC-V is a wonderful molecule for that. Now, that is a polar opposite efficacy from THC. So it's a really excellent case study in to answer your question, why do we give a darn about these varin molecules? You know, are we just geeking out or is there some real value here? Yeah, there's real value for specific patient populations. Well, I would think there would be a tremendous demand for THCV if it suppresses appetite. I mean, the wellness alone and then the fashion, <laughs> you know, in Southern California, you can't be too rich or too thin. So <laughs> there would be plenty of people lining up for THCV. Right. And, you know, it could be argued that that's kind of a vain pursuit, although, you know, everybody wants to feel good about themselves and be healthy. You know, they say every extra pound of fat on our body uh, puts more burden on our heart and other systems. And so uh, so it's really important. But, you know, regardless of one's motive, it can be 100 uh, percent vanity. If you purchase a product with your hard earned dollars and you're seeking a particular efficacious outcome, if you will, uh, if you yeah, if you're trying to lose weight and this thing gives you ravenous munchies and and suddenly, you know, you're just killing it in the kitchen, that's probably not a good thing, right? And nobody, I don't think anybody would call it healthy. Do you see a future where THCV is dropped into as an ingredient in other medicines or is it always going to be in a cannabis form? Oh, no, I think it'll definitely be. It's not that we're going to, but the industry and it's infantile genesis state. Uh, we're tearing this part of plant, this plant apart and it's uh, biochemistry in every way that we possibly can. Uh, we're synthesizing these molecules. We're inventing new molecules that are like similar to cannabinoids, but not quite because they're not organic. And uh, yeah, we're going every every way we can. Uh, the groovy fruit product we talked about uh, earlier uh not only touts these varins, but has them in above trace quantities so they can actually uh, display efficacy for uh, users. So there, there you go. There's a real world product that listeners can purchase today, Groovy Fruit, uh, and it is strategically formulated to contain terpenes and barren cannabinoids. Is it being sold as an appetite suppressant? Uh, well, one of their taglines is Terpy AF. So uh, they're, they're kind of taking a, a more of 
perhaps a lifestyle enhancement and recreational side to it. I certainly don't want to speak on their behalf. I'm not, uh, you know, a shareholder or uh, I don't have any interest in the company whatsoever. I think they have a very unique product and uh, I've sampled it personally and I like it. But that's that's just my opinion. Right. Uh, I'm not advocating here, but uh, no one can argue that they have at the current time what is an extremely rare product. Um, most people don't even know what the heck Varens are. That's why we're talking about them right now. They've already uh, put a product on the shelves that, that is available currently in all 50 states because you know it qualifies as like a hemp product, right? It doesn't have the THC to qualify as cannabis. So, so uh, uh, it's nice. We can't typically tell listeners and viewers and readers, go buy product XYZ because it might be available only in Southern California, like where you live, right? Listeners in Michigan or Florida or Indiana, they're SOL. So this is really nice that we're focusing on these Varens because none of them are schedule one like THC. Uh, you know, that we can, we can infuse, uh, them and, and a ton of these terpenes into products like groovy fruit and people all over North America and sometimes all over the world can dive in and participate. Even though it's a component, a constituent part of the cannabis plant, that molecule can be removed and there is no schedule one ramifications to that. It's not attached right. to Right. It's like uh, the Delta 8 version of THC versus Delta 9, which is the typical Delta 9 is Schedule 1. There are companies touting Delta 8 products and they say, and we can sell this at all 50 states everywhere. And you say, well, why is that? It's THC. And they say, oh, because it's Delta 8. So not to go down that tangent currently, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of legal ramifications behind these molecules, whether that's good or bad. It's just kind of a fact. And uh, there's a lot of medicinal efficacy in THC, but because it's Schedule 1, uh, boy, you know, getting that on the shelves becomes a real headache and it limits your geographic market significantly. You know, there might be a lot of people consuming cannabis products in California, but by law, unless we break the law, by law, those products can only be created, distributed, sold and consumed in the state of California. So, uh, again, when we get into Varin and hemp, uh, hemp products that have Varins and terpenes and a focus outside of the traditional THC, uh, we find the game is totally different here, right? If I were a person, an entrepreneur, a founder, and I wanted to sell a product, I wouldn't want to sell it only in Southern California or only in Oregon or only in Indiana. I'd want to sell it in all 50 states. We talked about how it creates the polar opposite of the munchies. Does it do that in terms of intoxication and, and some of the other things that happen with THC? That's a great question. Um, there is a misperception that THC, the neutral version of this phytomolecule, is the only thing to come out of this plant that causes psychoactivity. And I'm here to say that is not true whatsoever. Uh, THCV does convey psychoactivity or psychotropic effect. Uh, we try not to use words like intoxicated because that's... Uh, a bit tainted, you know, it has the word toxic in it and toxic meets poisonous. And I haven't found uh, in reasonable doses, I haven't found any molecules in the plant that could be labeled toxic, quite honestly. So you have to be kind of careful with with the language uh, that we're using here. But uh, THCV, a lot of this is based on anecdotal evidence. OK, there's still not enough research, especially clinical trials involving human beings in this department. So I just want to, you know, premise what we're saying here with that. 
But here's the basic understanding and the kind of news being reported by outlets like Leafly, for example, you know, which is generally regarded as a pretty reliable and science-based media outlet for cannabis consumers. THCV requires a higher dosage to be psychoactive, and this dosage is typically not available in most loose-leaf flour. Whether it's on the underground or through legal channels, most people are just never getting enough THCV to result in a psychoactive effect. But if you get enough of it, it is reportedly more psychoactive than THC and in a very sativa-like manner, very cerebral manner. So there's a tipping point somewhere and it's it's beyond a, a minute amount where it becomes even more psychoactive. Right, exactly. And again, you know, we're talking in theory here because in reality most people are just not getting it, but I have had some rare sativa strains over the years uh that uh were just like having had 10 cups of coffee or something and appetite you couldn't even tell you had a stomach it was like not even part of your thought process uh so some of these molecules yeah the the idea that you get the munchies from pot or marijuana or cannabis no you get the munchies from a particular analog of a particular cannabinoid and there are others swimming around in that chemical mix that can give you the exact opposite effect. Are we on the path to sort of a a bespoke types of medicine where you talk about the synthetic uh, aspects of this and where you can pull one molecule and another and then recombine them into something that maybe gives you a cerebral high without the munchies and reduces inflammation while it also keeps your anxiety in check? Is, Is that kind of where we're headed? I, I think so. I think we're headed there in all industries, quite honestly. In the future, when you order a pair of Levi's off of Amazon or Levi's.com or whatever, it's going to be according to a biometric profile, and a robot is going to build those genes specifically for you as a one-off, because we're going to be able to pull that off. Can we do that also with medicine? Well, there's a lot of experts and companies out there trying to do so. It's a little tricky monetizing it, and do we quite have the technology that we need? What really confounds all of this, but yet at the same time, demands that we do this eventually is subjective efficacy. You know, you and I go to the doctor for, you know, condition XYZ, let's say it's anxiety and uh, they give us a drug there, you know, those drugs are very standardized and I'm not saying they're bad things. Uh, but you know, we get 20 milligrams of XYZ, but your body is different than my body. And the density of your CB1 and CB2 receptors in your endocannabinoid system is different than mine. And they're not only different when we're healthy, but they're different in a different way when we're not healthy. And they go they go from a passive to an active state or resting to to active state. So, yeah, if we can pull this off technically, we can deal with what is one of the biggest headaches in all of this healthy lifestyle and medicinal use of cannabis debate. Uh, and that is subjective efficacy, because one size does not fit all, unfortunately. Right. I mean, we've talked about this in the past where it's sort of a test and learn scenario and you you need to try these different products. But if there's things happening on on different tracks, and I've talked to people who are into epigenetics and you can take your 23andMe results and and get them analyzed and know if you are a fast metabolizer or a slow metabolizer. And once you have that, then you match up to the plant and what the plant has to offer. Is that some futuristic stuff, but maybe that's where we're heading. 
It, it is because some hungry entrepreneur with a lot of energy and passion is going to go in that direction. Right. And it's not just one or two. It's it's a lot. You know, we've got almost uh, eight billion people on the earth now. And increasingly, they're educated and have money and other resources to make their dreams come true. So, uh, Tom, I think we're actually absolutely eventually going to be going in that direction. And like I say, there's uh, companies at the laboratory level that are working on that right now. It just has not resulted in products on the shelf or services available to the average consumer. That's super exciting. As of today, if a consumer is interested in, in Varens and, and exploring them, can you tell them what to look for? Um, you know, there's a lot of great research uh, out there. And regardless of your browser of choice, just jump into your browser and, uh, you know, hit a search engine uh, and uh, search for some of these particular Varens. Uh, you know, do a search like Varen Cannabinoid Research. And you can occupy yourself for days, months with what pops up, right? Um, I also recommend that listeners uh, do research on particular Varens like uh, THCV that we've been talking about. It's a great one. And don't just research the Varen version, but also check out its neutral version. And I would, if you really want to teach yourself something, check out the uh, the acidic precursor also. So in the case of THCA, a THC, for example, you got THCA, you got THC, and you got THCV. And your earlier question about why should consumers or patients care, they all have uh, sometimes strikingly different efficacy. So they're all from a helping you with your health perspective, they're different molecules. And I should mention, I know that if we do put this into a browser, pretty good odds that your name is going to pop up because you have written some things about this. Well, you know, coincidentally enough, uh, the December 2020 edition of Vegas Cannabis Magazine, which is available both in print, despite the pandemic, you know, congratulations to those guys, but also online. So all of your listeners can dip in for free uh, and we'll include the link in the show notes. But uh, that's one of my articles for the magazine this month. And it's great to educate readers about uh, something that 95% of them have never heard of. You and I have talked uh, in uh, previous episodes of the show about uh, how there was a survey done this year, and it revealed that 75% of current cannabis consumers, okay, people actually buying cannabis and hemp products, uh, were 75% of them didn't know what the word terpenes meant. So if you don't know what a terpene is, there's a pretty good chance you have no clue what a varin is. We always come at this from the context of wellness, and I think now we can make a distinction. There's there's adult recreational, there's medicinal, and, and I think a third category is wellness. People who are interested in, how is this going to help me live better? Maybe it becomes a part of my daily routine. And I, I did, for a while, I was using the word psychoactive, but I, I kind of got scolded on, on that. Uh, and, and I went to intoxicating and then you told me intoxicating is not the perfect word. So, <laughs> we so, keep chasing you around. <laughs> I guess maybe we just go back to high and whether, whether you want to get high or not, you, you know, you can get relief and support your own wellness. That's right. You know, and I, and in that regard, I like the term psychotropic. The only problem is that most people are like, what the hell does that mean? So <laughs> we have to look at how easily digested the fancy words we kick out are, right? You know, if nobody understands what it means, you just sound like a smart jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've talked about that, but the, we need to be speaking the same language. We need to be on the same page. But yeah. these days you have to be careful because you're always offending someone. But I'll put psychotropic in my hat and try to use that word. It's one option. You know, if I write... A, a 
15,000 word white paper, I, I use words other than cannabis, right? I'll say marijuana or I'll, you know, we've got to come up with synonyms because of the repetition gets so great in long form documents and books like that. Uh, so, I, you know, really educated industry professionals and patients and consumers uh, should understand and use all of those terms. And if you get really good at the game, you understand the distinct differences, you know, like we're saying between intoxication, psychoactivity, uh, psychotropic effects, uh, being high. What does that even mean? I don't know. Maybe Tommy Chong can tell us, but, uh, you know, uh, and th there's science and culture, right? Popular culture does not always use scientific terms. Marijuana, not a scientific term. Cannabis, that's a scientific term. And our listeners have a new term, Varens, that they are now educated on and can begin to further educate themselves. So thank you for nailing it in 20 minutes. That's our mission. And we did it again. Yay, and, we did uh, it. We'll be back again for episode 13 soon. You've been listening to 2420, a special edition podcast series from Cannaboom and Kurt Robbins. Want to learn more and help grow the cannabis movement? Spread the word and follow us on your favorite podcast platform or at Cannaboom.com.